I would say number one, the mistake I see people make is they think that the press release is what they need. Like that's all they need. And so I see people paying firms to create a press release for them. And then they say, well, we'll send it out to all of our contacts or whatever. And like zero comes out of it. A press release is still a useful tool, but it's only a useful tool if you are putting it in the hand of somebody that already knows about you and would actually care what it says. Hey, this is Jason Tonioli. I'm a piano player that grew up believing it wasn't possible to earn a living and support a family with music. I've proven that idea was wrong and have met hundreds of other people who have found success with their music. This podcast features stories of musicians who have found their own personal version of success and fulfillment in both music and life. This podcast is meant to inspire musicians and help them believe in their abilities and motivate them to share their talents with others. This is the Successful Musicians Podcast. Well, welcome to the podcast today. My special guest is my friend, Bree Noble. She, you've actually been on the podcast before, and uh, she just came out with a tool that really caught my eye, drew me in, and I thought, oh my gosh, people need to know about this. This is uh, It covers one of the questions that I hear people ask more than ever um, as new artists when they're doing, new, doing a release or doing an album. And they don't know what should they do to release that album. And, and Bree's got this really cool service that they put together that I wanted to talk about. So Bree, you've been in the music business for a long time. You host a podcast and done a lot of really cool things with women musicians and entrepreneurs. So welcome back. Thank you. I'm excited to be here for the second time. Right. You're my first second guest. I've I was going to ask podcast. that. That's so cool. <laughs> that's like a, that's a feather in my cap, I guess. Absolutely. So let's really dive in. I think as we were uh, kind of talking about how we'd go with the show, a lot of people have questions about when they release an album, what should they do? And there's a lot of mistakes that I think most musicians make when they do release, whether it's a single or an album. And most of us probably aren't even aware of, of those mistakes. So maybe let's start talking a little bit about how, I guess, how did you end up wanting to fix this problem in the first place? Well, as most people do, like, you know, I heard a lot of questions from my students. At that point, I had my Female Musician Academy, and we end up talking about this a lot. And then it was a natural fit. Like I was already working on this and then the pandemic happened and everybody was releasing music because they couldn't perform live. So not only were they, you know, releasing music that they already had been working on and then just decided to release it because they couldn't perform and it was the way they could connect with their fans. But also there's people writing a ton of music during pandemic because they were locked in and, you know, they... A lot of them took songwriting classes online or, you know, got into groups and wrote songs or just did it on their own. And then they're like, well, what do I do with all these songs? I can't perform them live. And so people were really focusing on releasing. I'd say for like 2020 and 2021, there was just a ton of people releasing music and trying to learn how to do that, especially people that had never really done it before, at least digitally. There's some you know, many people that had released CDs over the years, and then they'd never really gotten into the digital space. And so that's where I started helping people to figure out how to release their albums, EPs, or singles. Yeah. Well, and the, the sad thing is, is with all that music, especially when you're new, you release that song and you share it with some friends and family, and you maybe get a few dozen people that randomly came across your Facebook post or Instagram, whatever it might be. 
And then those songs end up in that digital graveyard and, and never see the light of day, really, which, you know, I think is this, it's almost a similar problem that you had as, a, as an artist when you printed, you know, a thousand CDs and you sold 18 of them and then the rest of them sat in your basement and you feel bad and depressed. You're like, why should I even do this again? And I've seen a lot of artists that quit because they they just nobody found their music or listened to it. Yeah, it's so true. When I started talking to artists about this kind of stuff, not necessarily about releasing music, but just helping artists in general. That was 2015. And back then I was still talking about, like you said, like the boxes of CDs in your garage. Like when I would say that everybody like, oh my gosh, that's me. You know what I mean? I totally have that. Now we don't have that as much, but it's like you said, the digital graveyard, or I meet people that have written hundreds of songs and never released any of them. Because they just, they felt like freaked out about the process. They didn't want to do it wrong. They were afraid that people were going to steal their music, you know, all the things. Hmm. Well, I just had a lady today asking about copyright. Do I need to hire a copyright attorney? But she says, I can't afford a copyright attorney. And, you know, my advice for what she, she was just doing, like public domain songs that were well over 100 years old. She's like, do I need to register with copyright? Just, just put it out there. Just, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, you could, if you're doing public domain, you could register your master if you want to. If you're like recording masters, you know, there's on the copyright side, there's the the written form, the song itself, and then, which is the, you know, the music and lyrics or melody and lyrics. And then it's the master side, right? And as indie artists, most of us own both of those. And you could certainly register the masters if you want to but it's probably like less of a big deal than it is for someone who's written an original work. And I, I think you almost spend as much registering something with the patent office or copyright office uh, than maybe even make back in the first year, most songs. Yeah, that's the thing. And so it just depends. You know, if you talk to a lawyer, of course they will say, yes, you should always get your copyright, you know, but it's like, okay, but if I'm going to make this many cents every time, you know what I mean? So it's a weighing thing. And it's a, you know, how scared am I? Like some people are just like really freaked out about their intellectual property. And if that's just going to bug you, then you really need to get your copyright. But, you know, if not, I talk to people that do sync licensing all the time that don't copyright. They only copyright once their song gets sync placed. And I'll bet there's several people that don't even bother to do that when they get the sync placement because... I mean, and really, I think if you if you really had to go to court over something, the fact that you have something published and out in the you know out in the world and proof that you know whether that sync used it or whether I mean, I think really you wouldn't you just need to show that it was available and created on whatever date it was, and I can't imagine it's super hard to find you know, those types of dates in Spotify or whatever. Yeah. And that's really what blockchain, and I'm not an expert on blockchain, but that's one of the things that blockchain is trying to solve for sure. Because then you've got like an erasable record, unreli- erasable record of the origin of the song and, and where it's gone and all of that stuff. But I mean, you know, if some people might listen to what we're saying and just totally bash us and just be like, you shouldn't be giving because just, so just, you know, this is not advice. Absolutely not. Like what I do, you know, because I'm not freaked out about it. But if you are, then you should definitely do it. Right. I, I feel the same way. I, I mean, the music's out there and, I, you know, unless you get some huge hit, I, I don't think it's probably even going to make a big difference to the majority of people. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, like what we were asking before, like that is one of the big hurdles to people starting. That is one of 
the mistakes that they make. Like they're so caught up in what are the legalities of me releasing my music and all of that, that they just don't move forward. Or some people think I put it on my website. So isn't, doesn't that mean it's released? And I'm like, no, (laughs) no, that just meant you put it on your website. Like releasing it means you actually put it into the distribution channels. So with these releases, I know you have a a checklist of things that people should think about, at least when they're doing that release. And I know you're giving that away for free, but you've created this kind of done for you, done with you model to help people if they they don't want to do it all themselves. There's there's a help. So maybe talk through for all of the do it yourselfers out there. Let's talk about what are the things that we as artists need to do in order to have a successful release. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot and you can, you can pick and choose which ones to do or not do depending on your personality, like the time that you have, for example, you know, you could do a tour around your release, even if it's just a, you know, a few weekends out in your local area, if you have the time, if you want to, if you like to perform, or you could do like a digital tour, you know, and and just do some live performances on different social media platforms if you have followers. So, you know, that's one component. If you choose that component, then you've got to see that, like you've got to reverse engineer it because what I love to talk about around a release is like the timeline is king over everything, but it's a timeline that involves several different kind of areas or aspects that all need to work at the same time. You can't be like, okay, now I've done all the marketing. Now I'm going to work on my tour because by the time you do, you know, the places that you wanted to book are already full for the next four months. And, you know, by the time you get there, your thing is old news. So you do have to be able to kind of, I used to, when I would do a webinar about this, I had this visual of like, the balls in the air and like eight different balls in the air. And they were, it was like a graphic. So it was just going like this and it's like, makes you crazy. Right. Just even to watch the graphic for a minute. And that's how people feel. And I don't blame you for feeling that way because you really do have to keep all those balls in the air or you are going to kind of miss out on something, but you can then pick and choose. Like if you decide, Oh, I don't want to perform. Okay, cool. I'm going to focus on PR. or I'm going to focus on getting, Spotify playlists, or I'm going to really focus on just building my online presence and, you know, communicating with people through social media, or I'm going to do ads to really amplify my reach. Like there's all these things. It's kind of like a, it's like a buffet, but you do need to at least pick three or four of the things at the buffet, or you're going to be disappointed. Absolutely. So if you're picking the top mistakes that these artists make when they are doing a release, is there, I mean, what what do you see as kind of those top two or three things that people miss out on? You know, the one big one I used to talk about all the time, I think it's less common, but before people used to just release their entire album at once. People are doing that less and less, but I just think that's a big mistake because you're not taking advantage of all of the PR, all of the opportunities to talk about your music and each song separately by releasing at least three singles. Some people release all of them as singles and then they package it together as an album and, you know, then kind of do a big tour around that once it's all out, right? You can do that. Uh, Same thing with an EP. You know, EP is usually generally like three to six songs, right? You can release each one individually and then release the whole thing as a package. 
And then you can do a lot of pomp and circumstance, like a release party and things like that around the full release. But you're still taking advantage of each one of those releases as like a little mini promotional opportunity for you to talk about that specific song and to be able to talk about something different. If you just release your album all at once, then it's like, hey, my album is out. And then the next day it's like, did you listen to my album? It's out. You know what I mean? It's like the same message over and over again. And that is, it's going to get boring real quick and you're going to run out of content. So actually releasing things as singles along the way helps you create content as well. That's kind of one of the bigger mistakes that I think some people make just because they're thinking about their album as one thing, which it is. And it does get hard when people start to do like concept albums or, you know, I actually had a student just email me today saying like, hey, I have this concept album. Like, I just can't imagine this one song not having this prelude that goes with it. Should I make it one track? You know, that kind of thing. Like, if you feel like they don't stand alone, that's one thing. Then probably don't release them as singles. But you should definitely take advantage of those opportunities to, number one, get out on social media more about each single you release. And then you pick a few of those as well to like really promote through PR, maybe songs that have a, I usually focus people around PR, either around things that are happening in the world, you know, like a time of year, whatever, cancer month or, you know, all the different months that are out there that you don't even know that exist. I actually have this PR guide that kind of helps people know like, oh, you know, this is something I could talk about around this time of year because it's this month and that kind of thing. And there's all these ones that you don't even know exist that you can, you know, national mental health month or whatever. If you have songs that have special messages in them, you can align them with times of the year or causes, or like I have a student right now that's releasing a cover that's like just fun and upbeat. And she's like, this will be perfect for summer. And that's right. Like it's a great thing to release in July. Because people will just, you know, they'll feel like they want to play it at the beach, you know. So just kind of thinking about those things around the singles that you release. So timing is important and just capitalizing on as many opportunities as you can around each single. Right. I'm hearing the importance of that story and the hook. You know, if you just say, hey, I released this album, that's kind of your hook and or a hook. And then, you know, I released an album, there's your story and you're going to make that offer. And you missed out on 10 or more stories that probably were yeah, at least, a better right? hook. Yeah, a better hook than song, what you you know, each song probably has a story behind the song, uh, you know, like why you wrote it. Maybe there's a story about when you wrote it. There's a story about maybe when you recorded it in the studio and something happened or like a really cool player that you got to play on the song with you. You know, there's so many things you can talk about with individual songs. Right. Well, and that's that's a lot more interesting than just saying, hey, I did a, a new album. I mean, that's that's great. You did an album, but so did 100,000 other people this last year. So, I mean, there's no I mean, that that's about the worst hook you can. <laughs> hey, I did an album. Oh, great. You and everybody else. Um, yep. And then there's another aspect to the releasing things separately in that you at least for Spotify and maybe also for other uh, streaming services that have like an editorial playlist option. I know Amazon now has this, that when you release something, you can only put one song 
into kind of their bucket under their eyes of like, would we want to put this on any of our official Spotify playlists? And if you get that, it's huge. It's huge. Now it's hard to get, but I've definitely had students that have gotten multiple editorial playlist opportunities. And you don't get that if you put out an entire album, you only get to choose one song to submit to them. So it just gives you more opportunities to get in front of them. It's really a numbers game. As I've worked with different PR firms and marketing agencies who have helped me over the years, one of the, I guess the harsh, I'll call it harsh, but the the real feedback that they gave me of why I wasn't doing as well as these other people was because I didn't have enough tracks and enough numbers out there. And it was a quantity game. And people talk about wanting to have that hit, but typically one out of your hundred may be a real, you know, get really good traction. I mean, hopefully you can write better than a 1% of your songs being great. But, you know, as musicians, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we like all of our songs, but nine or 80% of them or more are probably okay, but not one of those hits that really is going to catch traction. And, and even if it was one of those hits, the likelihood of that one song getting traction anyways is even lower too. Yeah. So there's, I mean, like you said, there's that side and there's the the percentage chances for you, but there's also the side of just creating a lot of music and that's just building up, right? So I had a guy on my podcast who had like 40 years, like he's an old, older guy. He had 40 years worth of piano tracks that he had created on CD and his wife went through all the thing that she needed to do to get all of those on streaming services. And he's making his complete living off of streaming now because of all just the sheer numbers of it. Yeah, that's awesome. I've got, I've got a friend that I've worked with that's a piano player as well. He's in uh, in his seventies now, and you know, thirty years ago, you know, actually about forty years ago, he was a big deal as piano players go. But he'd done all these CDs, and none of them were set up digitally where they should have been. He didn't have a catalog or even a spreadsheet. I don't even know. I don't even think he knew all of the stuff that he had. And and I actually, my team worked with him and we ended up uploading and doing, it was hard because I think there was about 25 or 30 CDs and they were CDs that had been, I guess, kind of released if you, but from a digital standpoint had never, did not exist in the digital world. And so we'd rip the CD off, get the songs. And it was about over about a 12 month period where we, we just slowly had those releases go out. And, and so it gave us a lot of chances to get on editorial playlists, but, but still the amount we missed, cause we didn't do a lot of singles when we did those for him, but I, I believe he's making, you know, three or $4,000 a month now after three or four years, just because of the quantity of, of music that he did put out there. That's awesome. And that's a trade-off, right? You had, you're like, is it better to get this music out faster and not get as many opportunities for editorial? And I think in that case it's probably true because it's just so much music that could give him you know, the amount of income could just grow from each you put on there. Well, and once we'd kind of worked through all of those CDs releasing and being out there, uh, kind of the next step was I was kind of advising him. I said, hey, let's uh, let's start building playlists and all these new songs that aren't there. Let's you know, let's build some playlists. You can share that with your email list and get people listening. And And now, in essence, I think you kind of control your own radio station by creating those playlists and you can add and put whatever you want on the playlist once you get people subscribed to it. Exactly. So that's another thing that I've been advising my students to do is that if you, especially if you have, if you do a bunch of different genres. So like for me, 
I've created multiple playlists on my own Spotify because I have Christian music, I have classical music, I have show tunes, and I have Christmas music. And I don't want them all mixed up, especially the, the Christmas can get confusing, right? Because then like one of your top songs becomes a Christmas song, and then it's not very useful the rest of the year. And so just having those playlists and being able to to direct people to those things. If I'm doing a, you know, a performance where I'm, or even like say my church or whatever, I'm doing stuff that's just Christian music. And I know that's what those people like. I can direct them to that particular playlist. Yep. Well, and, and kind of my, with the music type that I do, you know, I do that kind of relaxing piano. I love putting those playlists together, having people add my music to the, you know, sleeping playlists. You know, the fact that you can have 10 hours of music in, playing in the background while people are sleeping. That's, that's the best. It <laughs> so, is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there's so many opportunities, I think with playlists out there that just take very little effort and a little bit of effort each day goes a long ways. Once you get the traction with even one of those. They're becoming subliminally addicted to your music by listening to it while they sleep. <laughs> so they, they don't even know. Right. <laughs> so Awesome. Well, what what other mistakes? I think PR is one of the things that probably scares and intimidates a lot of people as well. I know, you know, rewind the clock back 20 years ago and you had, you know, those official press releases that you'd put out about this album and you'd send it to your local news station or newspaper. And I mean, that was the old way of doing it. I think one thing that I've, I realized, you know, I feel like now it's easier, but also harder to get kind of legit press mentions in news articles. I don't know what your experience has been with that. It definitely is. I would say number one, the mistake I see people make is they think that the press release is what they need, like that that's all they need. And so I see people paying firms to create a press release to that for them. And then they say, well, we'll send it out to all of our contacts or whatever. And like zero comes out of it and they have paid because, you know, of course, then they come to me and go, oh, I wasted my money. And, you know, I'm like I could have told you that. But a press release is still a useful tool, but it's only a useful tool if you are putting it in the hand of somebody that already knows about you and will actually care what it says. You know, if you're just sending out faxes all over the country, right, which is what I see some of these people doing or emails, you know, unsolicited emails, which let me tell you, I got them all the time at Women of Substance and I just delete them because I don't know this artist. You know, I don't have time to like look into every single artist that some random PR person sends me. So it's really about getting the press release as a tool that really in one page explains, let's say it's about a single, you know, what is your single about? Why should they care? And it's, it needs to not be about you as much as it's about the listener. It's about the person that you're wanting to get interested in the song, whether it's the person at the media outlet or it's the listener, you know, why should they care about it? It's not like, let me just tell you all the things that I've ever done. You know, that's what we tend to do. And then it's getting it into the into the hands of somebody that would actually do something with it. And that's where either it's you as an artist making those connections, starting local, asking around, who know does anybody know anybody that works at the paper, at the magazine, at the, the you know, and then it could be you could get a, an agent if you want to. The what PR agents are useful for is all of their connections. So, you know, they've been building up connections over years. 
So if you vet somebody, if you, you know, get some good references from other artists, other musicians, and if you can find somebody where musicians say, yeah, I got these placements and blah, 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 then it may be worth it if you don't want to do the legwork to get it in the hands of people that would actually write about you and would care. And I've seen people that had good PR get great. Like some of the best PR that I've seen people, my students get are radio interviews, like interviews on, you know, let's say like a, a BBC morning show, or one of my students got something on like a, an ABC radio show that was like an acoustic show where they would interview people and stuff. And they got like actual people that listened, learned about them, found them on social media, you know, like really got invested in them just because they heard the interview of them on the radio. So I do tend to think that radio, podcasts, that kind of thing are the best PR nowadays because you really get to hear the artist's perspective. You get to know them and stuff like that. Um, As far as like newspapers, to me, like local is better because it's going to be easier to get an in. You're going to, you know, that more people actually read it that would actually care if you're like a local artist. So I would always start local and, you know, see how far you can get. And when I was in the banking world, I'd done a lot of training on PR and worked with PR firms that were very, very good. And I think the key thing for artists, if they're trying to think, okay, what, how do I get an article about me? You've got to think about that newspaper you know, news story writer and what is newsworthy? You know, the fact that you did an album, again, just be be brutally honest with yourself. Nobody cares. But is there something unique that you did to help somebody or is there some unique way that you wrote it? Or is there some tragedy or something that's a an interesting enough story that would be people would care about it? And so I even, you know, think about, okay, if, if you're performing, what is it that's going to draw that crowd in as you're telling them the story about about the thing that happened to you or what it was it emotionally that that you overcame. And that's up to each individual artist to kind of be able to recognize where those opportunities to share and impact your audience are. But a lot of that ties right into the news articles. And I've I've even seen some people where they'll write the story that they think could be the news article and then have that be part of the press release. So there's some quotes. And it's one of those where I think it's very dangerous. I mean, I, I lived through the banking world back in 2008 when banks were shutting down left and right. I mean, that was the worst thing you could have happen as a PR person was to have somebody just decide to write a story about whatever the thing was, because then you don't get any say. And half the time they don't quote you properly anyway, even when you do do it right. And so the more you can provide in the story written out for those opportunities with that PR person is just the better that story is going to be able to be. That's very true. And I definitely talk about, you know, how media people have very short deadlines. And so if you're giving them the easy button, mm-hmm. you're handing them something that's pretty much totally written, they can just go in and add a little bit of their own flair, then it's it's going to be more likely that they say yes, especially if they like we're running a story and then they, they hit a snag and they couldn't, you know, get the interview that they needed or whatever. And now they're under a deadline. They don't have anything to print. You know, they'll be very happy to have your story. Absolutely. So I, and I think the key is just learning to recognize those story opportunities along the way. 
I've seen a lot of artists where they sometimes share what they're working on or what it is that's happening and kind of these little behind the scene type of, mostly the social media post type of thing. And those, those moments of social media that your fans find interesting, if you're posting on social media, are probably the key elements to figuring out what that story is that would be newsworthy or pressworthy. That's right. Yeah. Pay attention to what things on social media are really gelling with your fans, what's getting the comments, what's getting the shares, Mm -hmm. you know? And then if you have, like you said, if you have any songs that are around a specific cause or, you know, just an idea that you want to get across. And then, like I said, I've got this, the reason I talk about like the PR resource that I have is because there are things all the time. And like, for example, I have a song on one of my albums about my grandmother that has Alzheimer's. And so that would be a perfect thing. Like, oh, it's Alzheimer's month, you know? And so I could do a story about, you know, how I ended up writing the song and, you know, and put the link to the song and all that stuff. And it could be, it could, and then like, then I had an experience with the song where I was singing it and Afterwards, some guy came up to me in a coffee shop and handed me a $20 bill and said, my dad just got diagnosed with Alzheimer's today. And wow, that song really touched me. Thank you. That kind of thing could all be a story. Absolutely. The key is just recognizing those moments as they're happening, because I think a lot of the times what we as musicians think is interesting. (laughs) uh, I mean, I think we undervalue maybe some of the creative work that we do as musicians because a lot of people don't have that talent and don't don't understand what's happening. They're curious about it. That's very true, especially on the songwriting side. We just think, oh, look, it's normal. Anyone could just write a song. You know, no, they're very curious about the whole creative process. Yeah. So other things that you would say, I mean, that people mess up when they do this release, what are some other areas they mess up on? So one major thing that pretty much everyone, when I do my webinar on this, they're all like, oh, I'm guilty of that, is that they don't document the whole journey to the album release and therefore they lose out on a lot of great marketing materials. So for example, when they're in the studio, they don't take pictures, they don't take video, they don't like write in their journal every day after the studio about fun, cool things that happened, any frustrations, you know, that kind of thing. That's all stuff that you can use on your marketing journey as you're releasing things on the album and eventually the full album stories you could tell on stage, like all of that. And I was so guilty of this. The first time I was in the studio, I ended up with four pictures. Now, to be fair, this was in 2005, 2006. So we're we're still almost using film. (laughs) Yeah, no, we didn't have iPhones and all that, but I did get some pictures, um, four of them. But it's not just me and it's not just because of the technology back then. Like most artists that I talk to tell me that they did the same thing. And it's because, you know, we're putting on our artist hat then. We want to focus on having the best studio experience, making sure that what we come out with is exactly what we're wanting. You know, sometimes we're co-producing all of that. So you can't do that as an artist. You've got to hire, you've got to grab somebody, you know, grab a a fan, a family member, somebody that would love to hang out in the studio with you and say, you can hang out with us all day. You get the free pizza, blah, blah, blah. All you have to do is just take a bunch of video and photos while we're here. And maybe we'll do a live stream at some point, you know, and put it on someone else's plate because you can't be thinking about it as an artist, but that means you've got to think about it in advance. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, I'm guilty. (laughs) 
And uh, it's even harder when you record from home, right? Because it's just like, oh, it's two o'clock. I went in my studio and recorded a new track, you know? You got your smelly socks on the floor. Right. Still, whatever. <laughs> People don't want to see that, right? <laughs> oh, man. Anything else that comes to mind? So I know with, I mean, it, it can be overwhelming to do a, a relaunch of a, a CD or album, do it properly. There's all these steps and you can do any combination of them, but you're providing, you're, you created this kind of checklist service that is uh, called concierge service or so release concierge, I think is what you call it. Mm -hmm. So it, it, talk me through what all of those things would entail if somebody was hiring a, an agent or a, you know, record label or what, you know, the setup that you've got to, what does that come with? Yeah, pretty much the way we bill ourselves is like, it's the help and the service of a label without giving up any of your rights or creative control. So the biggest thing that we provide that people love, I would say the most, is that we give we assign them a release manager. So we have somebody that is holding their hand throughout the whole process, making sure they know what step one, two, three, you know, five and 27 are and what order to do them in and making sure that they're actually doing them because some of the issues are that they just are busy. You know, they want someone keeping them accountable. That's some of it. Some of it is they just are overwhelmed and they just want someone to feed it to them a little bit at a time. And I, I totally get that because sometimes people will download our checklist and they'll just be like, Oh, I'm going blind. Like it's just, it's like way too much information. You know, so some people just do better when they take little like baby steps or, you know, just bite off a little bit at a time. And that's what the release manager can help them do. Help them, if they get off track, help them get refocused, all of that. They're meeting with them all the time. So that's number one. And then, you know, the other things that we talked about. So we do, we help them with PR. We help them with the playlisting, like trying to get on playlists beyond just the editorial playlists, you know, reaching out to playlist curators that have good playlists that are refreshed all the time that people subscribe to and getting people on those. Uh, we're also helping them with their social media. And this is a big sticking point for a lot of people. Now, you know, some people are very resistant to social media. Some people are scared of it. They don't want to make videos, you know, stuff like that. So we make it really easy for them. We give them scripts. We tell them exactly what we need. And then we do all the rest of the tech work to make it look awesome. You know, it's in the right aspect ratio. It's got captions, might have music behind it, like all that. It looks super slick and awesome. And most people don't have the skills to do that on their end, let alone the time, you know, so that's one of the things that we do. And this all works together. Like the PR side works really well with the social media because the PR people want to see, or the, the media outlets want to see, this is an artist that's actually doing something. They have a fan base. They're communicating with people instead of like, this artist is just like in a bubble and releasing this thing. You know, they want to feel like whatever is that they're promoting is newsworthy, right? And so you can show that you're newsworthy by showing that you have action on your social media channels. So that's, it all kind of works together synergistically. Now, and we also make sure, you know, you you get your music registered everywhere that it needs to get registered. Like we talked about at the beginning, that's a stress point for some people. And then the thing that we've added recently, and I'm sure you can speak to this a little bit, but 
we have added an option for us to run ads for them and manage their ads because what we found is some people are just, they cannot get their head around really engaging on social media as far as like, you know, making this many videos per week and, and that kind of thing that just like really overwhelms them. And so what we're saying is, Hey, like, that's fine. If you would rather do ads, we can make a few really awesome videos and we can just boost that reach out to as many people as we want by using ad spend. So that's something that we've added recently, just because we've seen that, you know, we kind of have two different kinds of artists that come to us. One that, uh, you know, is, is really ready to jump into social media, really ready to engage with their fan base and that kind of thing. They just don't know what to do. And once they start doing it, they're so excited. They love it. We've had some artists that are just like, oh my gosh, I'm getting comments. Like, this is so fun. You know, I've never had anyone commenting on my music before. Uh, they're getting so many ideas of things that they can talk about on social media just by starting. That's usually what it is. It's like all of a sudden it just like unleashes the creativity. But then we have some people that are like, I work as a full-time accountant, but I do this music on the side. I don't really want to build a fan base, but I want to get it to as many people as possible. And for those people, ads is the way to go. And it's not that ads aren't the way to go for the other people too. They probably will start adding ads on top of what they're doing organically, but it is great to, you know, do it organically, test it, see how it goes over with your audience. If there's something you put out that just got tons of comments, then like that, let's make it an ad. Let's get it out to more people. Right. The final key, I think that maybe we don't talk about enough is just like the mindset coaching that we do with them for them to step into their artistic identity and really have the confidence to act like an artist. I think so many times musicians are like a little bit apologetic about their music, you know, like, oh, you know, you don't have to listen to it if you don't want to, or, you know. I just put this out like, I hope you like it. You know, no, no, no. Like, I'm excited about this release. Here's why I created it. You know, this is what I love about it. And this is how it relates to my life. You know, really just stepping into being, I would say, like artistic boss online. Like, I know that what I make is good and I want to share it with people. I'm not like egotistical about it, but I just, I want people to know about it because I think it's awesome and I love it. Oh, just uh, my mind's racing right now with all of the things that I need to do better when I do release. Oh. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I need to. Uh, and then I think one of the things that, as a musician, it is overwhelming when you launch that and you put so much effort and emotional energy into just the music and getting it there. I think for a lot of people, the the idea that they have to put in more, even more emotional energy to market it and sell it and share the story about it. I mean, it, I think sometimes musicians are just tired and want to move on to the next thing. And I think that's one of the big reasons I think musicians typically aren't as financially successful at very least, or even getting their music out there successfully is because they, they leave that other 50%. They don't do it or they don't want to do it. Yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, I, I always liken it to like birthing a child because, you know, you, you birth that child creatively, like your EP, your album, like, like you said, like you went through a lot to get that out into the world, but then you can't just like be like, oh, there it is. Like, awesome. And then just like walk away and assume that your child is going to grow without getting fed and all those things. Right. 
So maybe sometimes you have to bring people on board to make sure that your child is being taken care of if you're just like absolutely depleted. You know, that's when all the family comes into town and helps you for the first few weeks when you've given birth because you're just like done, you know? And and I, I liken it to that. And those who haven't had children, maybe you... I I can certainly relate because I've had two and yeah, you're just like, isn't it enough that I made it this far? <laughs> I made it through the nine months. Even when they start to grow up, then all of a sudden they become teenagers and that's, that's a whole other experience, right? That's true. So yeah, I mean, it, it really is looking at the long-term life of that song and, and just realizing it's, it's there. But if you don't, if you don't put in the effort to take care and of that kid, we'll call it, or the thing you created, it's not going to grow and thrive, unfortunately. And yeah, and I mean, this is something I, I did. I did talk about a lot when I would do webinars around releasing music. Is that you know you don't want to get to the end of all this and have all these regrets. One of the reasons I started this is because so many people came to me and said, "I did this wrong. Like now I can't go back and do it over. I just I'm so bummed," you know. And I don't want that for people because I know they put so much time and effort and money into the creation of it. And, you know, it's better to like take your time with your release, really plan it out, make sure that you're going to, but I know how that is. Like when you've gotten done recording the thing, you're just like, I'm over this music. You know what I mean? And you're just like ready to move on to new music. So I totally get the struggle. And that's why release concierge is helpful because there's always this person they're bringing you back. Like, no, remember, remember how important this music is to you. Remember how important it is for you to get it out to more people. Like let's get excited about it again. Well, it's that coaching. I mean, I know people today, the it's a big deal about hiring, you know, life coaches and health coaches and, you know, business coaches. Uh, Musicians really need to have you know, whether it's somebody they've hired or just we've all got that one person, it might even be just your mom, that is the one that encourages you and reminds you why you do the thing you do. That's right. To motivate you and kick you in the pants when you need it. Yep. That's what I always say about, you know, one reason that has nothing to do with money, why we need fans is because we need people to like say, hey, like, why haven't you released any music lately? We're waiting for it. We need those people to be like, bummed out if you aren't continuing to make music oh gosh oh, I, I need i need that um checklist that you have so if somebody wants hopefully it's been really valuable to everybody listening you know it's been helpful for me to just kind of think through the things that i i can do better myself but the checklist that you mentioned i know you'd give that away for free i know you've done webinars if people want just the checklist and and you know just to kind of do it themselves where do they go to find that you go to release concierge com slash checklist. And this is not just like a logistical checklist. It also helps you go through all the things that are going to cost you money in the release. So you can think it basically is a bunch of questions to help you figure out the budget that you really need for your release. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Have you, you know, seen how much this is going to cost you? Like all those things are going to help you come up with how much it's going to cost you before you even start. Cause I think that's really important. A lot of times people get halfway through and they're like, oh my gosh, this is costing me twice as much and I don't have the budget and now I'm stuck and I've only recorded half of it, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what's so the, it's the planning and budgeting checklist. We'll call it that. And so that, that would be great. And then if, if someone's, I mean, I think as you're doing that, 
you need to look at your time and decide what's the value of, you know, me as an artist, what's the value of my time? And is somebody else going to have a lot better superpowers at doing, you know, these five things on the checklist than I'm going to be able to do? And whether you're hiring a a team member or a, a virtual concierge person or going even to a VA that's maybe overseas somewhere that can do some of those things, I, I think you owe it to your music and your fans and yourself to really do it right, you know, finish raising that child. You I mean, you birthed it, raise that little song to do, you know, go out into the world and, and have the best opportunity possible for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely talk about that in the checklist as well, because I would never, I would never be doing what I do now, all the different things. And neither would you Jason, without having hired lots of help. <laughs> right. Well, and then my hope is, is I love helping people and, you know, if this gives people some ideas to be able to be successful on their own, I know you you feel the same way as, you know, you don't always need to be hiring expensive people to, to do everything for you. I think there's a value in learning to, to do a lot of it yourself because uh, then you're able to work with the people who do have those superpowers and help them be more successful at helping you when you understand at least pieces of what they're doing. Yeah, totally. You need to understand it through and through because if you hire someone, you need to be able to know, oh, they're doing a good job. Like it's worth what I'm paying them. Right. Absolutely. It's all too often where we just, I see people deciding they want to pay money to an agency or to run their ads or whatever it is. And they somehow assume that that person cares as much as they do about the thing. It's very dangerous to just assume somebody cares about your stuff as much as you do. Yep. Or, you know, you can learn the skills as you're working with somebody and then take them over. You know, that's kind of what I did with my own ads. You know, I worked with an agency for a long time, a few different ones. And I just said, like, I think I've got the skills to do this myself and I do it myself now. So, you you know, you're either you're investing in help or you're investing in education or both. And, you know, then maybe you decide you're going to do it yourself, but you've you've learned you've grown so much in that process. I'm curious. I know we've had conversations about this. Uh, some of the mastermind groups that we've been at. Um, are you using VAs or any any people on your team to help you accomplish this, or how do you get all this done for people? Yeah. So we have a release concierge team. So we have someone that's in charge of. Uh, well, we've got the release manager. We have a few of those that we assign to individually to people, and then and they're walking hand in hand with them, meeting with them all the time. We have a person who's helps with content creation and coming up with scripts and things like that. We have someone that does the tech side of the content. We have somebody that handles the PR and somebody that handles the uh, playlist pitching. And then we're going to have someone that is handling the ads. So, you know, we have developed a team so we can serve, you know, a group of people. Because if one of you had to go out and hire all of those people for yourself, it would be pretty darn expensive, right? But we can create this team that then we can kind of, you know, rent out to people. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it's it's definitely needed. And I'm sure, I mean, the results will speak for themselves, um, I'm sure, as people go through that process and then learn along the way. So, so awesome. So it's releaseconcierge.com and slash checklist. I'm sure if they go to just releaseconcierge.com, you're going to have more details and probably- That's right. You can learn all about the program. You can watch a video from me talking about what it is and everything. So as an artist, I very least go out and watch some of these videos and learn your, you know, how to do most of this stuff yourself. But uh, don't be afraid to hire help when it's the right time. And, you know, and the only way you're going to recognize when you really need that help is, is when you're if you know what could be done instead of just ignoring it and and missing opportunities along the way. So that's right. 
Awesome. Well, uh, Bree, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing. I, I've got a few other ideas running through my head now. We may have to have you be back. You'd be the third guest <laughs> too. I appreciate you taking time to share. And uh, is there anywhere else that you'd want us that people can go and find out more about what you're doing? Yeah. Um, you can also go to profitablemusician.com. That's my podcast. I had Jason on my podcast a few months ago. And there's also, there's a lots of resources on there. So definitely go there, start listening to our podcast. We're all about helping musicians make money. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And um, we'll get you back here again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Jason here. And I hope you've gotten a lot of value out of this episode. Be sure to check out our show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you'd like to support our podcast, there's a few things that you can do to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, it will help ensure that you don't miss a future episode. Second, if you'll share it with your friends on social media or send it via email or message, it helps us spread the word as well. And third, if you'll leave an honest review, it really helps with the algorithms so that other people can find our podcast. Finding success and fulfillment in the music industry is possible. And I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.